Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Before we get into our passage this week, Heritage Bible Church wants to make sure you ladies out there are aware of an upcoming opportunity this week. Our 2019 Ladies Conference will be held on Friday, September 20th through Saturday, September 21st. This year's theme is Living Wise in a Foolish World. How timely is that? You can find out more and sign up on our website at www.hbc-boise.org. That's www.hbc-boise.org. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're continuing in our sermon series through the book of Mark. The passage this week is Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Now, you may think I just misspoke. It sounded like I said we're in the book of Mark, but the passage is in Matthew. That's correct. Before we complete Mark chapter 2 next week, Pastor Jim wants to prepare us for our continuation by taking a quick look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We don't often cover multiple chapters in a single message on Heritage Bible Radio, but this one sermon by Jesus spans three chapters in the book of Matthew, and it is packed. We know you will be blessed by the slice of the sermon for today's Heritage Bible Radio. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You need to realize what he means by poor in spirit. There are words for various aspects of poverty, and, and, and this one is the most drastic. This one does not mean a, a little bit too much month left over at the end of the paycheck. This one means you have nothing. This one means you won't eat unless someone gives you something. Total beggarly poor absolutely bankrupt and and beyond, incapable of helping yourself. You're hopeless. You can't do anything that can change your condition. And he said, those are the ones who get my blessing. Not the ones who come and tell you how righteous they are, the ones who come and tell you, I can't do it. And then he says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice the little pronoun theirs. There's something that you can do with um, uh, Greek uh, that you can't do in English with an economy of words. This is an intensive pronoun. It says this. It means this. Theirs and theirs alone is the kingdom of heaven. Absolutely no one will get into the kingdom of heaven who has one iota of thinking he deserves to be there, that he can earn his way there. Only those who come completely beggarly poor will get in there. So one key to the Sermon on the Mount is to realize that you're going to have to trust God to do for you what is impossible for you to do for yourself. You need God's perfection if you are to know Him. You need a righteousness which surpasses any human demonstration of righteousness that you can even imagine. And the only way that can happen is if God grants you His righteousness. And 
Oh, wow, do we have good news. Remember, gospel means good news. What's the good news? Summarize it, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. How's that going to work? Next verse. He made Him who knew no sin, the perfectly righteous one, to be sin on our behalf, that is to take our sins on Himself, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The first thing for you to learn from the Sermon on the Mount is that you must be perfect. And there's a lot of explanations and subtle parts of that in all of chapter 5. I commend it to you. But let's move on. Chapter 5, the message is be perfect. Chapter 6, I think you could file under the heading trust God. There's a shift in emphasis here. Now the, the message isn't what you must be in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. Now it's going to be a series of instruction about how people who, who have eternal life, who are blessed, and they have the perfection and the righteousness of God credit to them, how do they go about living their lives? If you understand that salvation is a gift and you can't achieve it on your own, you're going to live your life so that it is obvious that you trust God to provide for you. Your focus is going to be to bring God glory. You won't care what people think except that you want them to know and to love the God that you know and love. So, very quick survey of some of the things that are here. If you are trusting God, if you understand salvation, and again, He mercilessly beats up on the doctrine of the Pharisees because they were the worst of the worst of the enemies of the gospel. They were the ones leading the plan to murder God the Son who came to die for their sins. And so, if you really trust God, you're going to be an unpharisee, if you will. And it goes like this. First four verses, you're going to shun doing showy things designed to impress people with how righteous you are. If you understand salvation truly, you're going to pray humbly and privately. How did the Pharisees do it? They'd go stand on the street corner and love to be seen praying. You're going to do it not in a show-off kind of a way. Your prayers aren't going to be proclamations of your righteousness. You're going to follow the example of the model prayer of Jesus. We usually refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. If you, if you truly understand salvation, you're going to forgive others as God has forgiven you. Absolutely the opposite of what they'd been taught. The Pharisees were judgmental and legalistic and, and self-absorbed. If you truly understand salvation, when you fast, remember that? We just saw that in, in, in Mark, about why are the disciples of John fasting and the Pharisees fasting and Jesus' disciples weren't. Well, well, when it is time, when you are mourning, when you are confessing, when you are repenting, when you fast, you'll do it in private. You will never call attention to yourself. Exactly the opposite of what the Pharisaical pinnacles of self-righteousness was showing. And then, if you truly understand what this is all about, you will want to invest your energy and your resources in treasures in heaven. You won't be a slave to materialism and the, thing of, the things of the world. 
Now I want to pick a highlight from chapter 6, and to do that, I'd like to uh, not deal with a specific verse, but everything from verses 25 through 34, which all focus around a theme. In those 10 verses, Jesus gives the same command three times. Now, when the Son of God says the same thing three times under one point of His sermon, it's probably pretty important. He really wants you to get it. What does He say? Do not be anxious. The first and third times that He says it, verse 25 and verse 34, He puts it in the present tense so it has the connotation, I don't want you to fall into the habit of being anxious. Okay? The other time... Verse 31, he puts it in the aorist tense with the connotation, do not become anxious. In other words, don't even take the first nibble of the bait. Now, friends, there are about roughly a gazillion things in this world that should make you anxious. Humanly speaking, there are things to worry about. It's a fallen world. It's a mess. All right? But when you have this reaction that you know what it feels like to be anxious to worry about something he says here's how you're going to deal with that if you really belong to me in other words when an unexpected scary situation lands on you you don't have to have an anxious reaction to use the cliche you can say don't go there there's nothing more valuable probably to your daily life than to learn how to avoid getting stuck in worrying about things, in anxiety. If you aren't anxious and worried about things, you can focus on the things that God wants you to be. You can do the things that God wants you to to do. Now, the way to avoid or to resolve anxiety boils down to one thing. Understand God. The answer to anxiety is not in psychotherapy, The answer to anxiety is understanding God and living in light of what is true of God. Now, people who don't know Christ do understand, as we do, that there are a lot of things that would make a person anxious. People in the world get anxious. Christians get anxious. That's a a normal response of an intelligent fallen person living in a fallen world. There are things that would tend to make you worry. So the world has come up with ways of coping with that. There are many many worldly techniques that can um, help a person cope with anxiety, mask the anxiety, help people to remain relatively calm and, and, and functional. But the truth is that unless you deal with anxiety by what is taught in this chapter, anything else you do is fooling yourself. The reason I say that is pretty straightforward, and I would say it fits the Sermon on the Mount and all of the Bible. Unless you know God, unless He is your resource against anxiety, you should be scared to death. You should be utterly terrified. Unless you know God and you've received that that perfect righteousness of Christ, you are headed for eternity in the lake of fire to be tormented day and night forever and ever. That should scare you. If you've never been scared by that, wow, am I glad you're here today. You ought to be. One of the best books I ever read on 
Biblical Counseling. It was written before Biblical Counseling was labeled Biblical If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.